Kyle. And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Now, if you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of October 2022, and guess what? It is time to dig through the ditches, burn through the witches, and hell, we may even slam in the back of Kyle's Dragula. Yes. <laughs> Folks at home, if you're not aware... Uh, October is our annual Kyle's Killer October uh, event month, 2022 edition, also known as Rob Zombie edition. And of course, this is where Kyle takes creative control of the program uh, for the entire month. Uh, So Kyle, I'm going to kick it over to you. Uh, Go ahead and intro us. What are we doing this week? Yeah, so this week and this month we are doing uh, Rob Zombie movies, or also it could be an actor spotlight, uh, Sherry Moon Zombie, because uh, that is also somebody who's in all these movies. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to do this for a while, uh, because I know you've seen uh, a few Rob Zombie flicks, um, and the reason I wanted to do these movies is I, I am not convinced that he's a good director. I think that he has some strengths, I think he has a lot of weaknesses. And particularly, I don't think the man can write dialogue. I think it's his it's his biggest weakness. And I've just wanted to find a few of these movies for you to watch and discuss. And um, I wanted to start with the original, uh, his first movie uh, from two thousand three, House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, wh- what did you know about this movie? Did you did you know about this movie when it was coming out? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it, it would be hard not to you know be in high school uh, yeah. and not hear of the House of a Thousand Corpses film. Yeah. Um, it's the Rob Zombie movie. Uh, yeah. That was kind of its reputation. Um, yeah, I heard rumblings about it. I had a couple of friends who were really really into horror movies in high school who were kind of all about it. Uh, they were the types of people who were all about like the iconography of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films mm. without ever having seen the Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre films. Um, so this actually was probably kind of their proper introduction to those movies kind of by proxy, you know, yes, because this movie yes, does owe much. a considerable amount uh, to Toby Hooper and that that particular aesthetic, that vibe. Um but beyond that, I, I don't remember the movie making much of a splash in theaters in my area. Um, I didn't hear anything about it being wildly successful or anything, but it did carry kind of like a, a, like a, a cultish reputation of sorts where it's like you'd pass by it on, like on the shelf at Blockbuster or something. It's like, oh, that's the Rob Zombie movie. I've heard that's really gnarly. And then honestly, when you get around to watching it, it's like, you know, that could have been a lot gnarlier, honestly. <laughs> could have been. Yeah, so I actually kept... This is a this is one that I kept tabs on the production of <laughs> while it was happening as best as I could. I, uh, I was a guitar player when I was younger, and uh, I would get... I was really into, like, metal bands at the time, and I would have uh, Revolver magazine, which was just like, what's happening with bands these days? So obviously, Rob Zombie's going to pop up in there. And there was this picture, like a... There, there was a bit of like a, a filter on it, so it looked grimier, uh, like you were in the movie Seven. Filter of uh, Captain Spaulding, like doing his big Sid Haig doing that big smile, and it's like Rob Zombie directs horror movie House of a Thousand Corpses, and it's like that sounds awesome. What I'm like twelve at the time, I'm like that is gonna be off the chain. That's gonna be bitching. Um, so I kept, I was just like, I had this in the back of my mind. I got to wait for this movie to come out. And then when it came out, I ended up, I think we were at a hotel uh, and I had a friend over, like, I forgot what it was, what it was for, but we ended up renting it and watching it. Um, 
And I don't remember how much I liked it at the time. Uh, this isn't a movie that we owned and I watched a dozen times. So it was kind of one of those, if I could find it, I'd watch it. Um, but by the time that I went to rewatch this, he had more movies come out. Um, and next week, spoiler, we'll probably be doing Halloween, his uh, Halloween remake. Uh, so I'll have more stories about that. Um, but yeah, um, what, uh, what do you want to talk about next? Um, how about The Man? How mm. about The Man, The Myth, The Legend, The Zombie? Okay. Uh, do you have any connection to Rob Zombie? Because he has come up as a sub- as a point of conversation on this podcast multiple times. Yes. Um, um, in particular, some of his music videos, Kyle has mm-hmm. been very keen to yes. highlight and actually like send my way uh, for like, I don't know, this reminded me of this from this music video kind of situation, I guess. Yes. Uh, I don't know if he, uh, if he directed his music videos. Um, uh, that It's very possible. Uh, so my sister, my stepsister was uh, a white zombie fan and she had a white zombie poster up in her, up in her wall, up on her wall. So I'm like, okay, that's awesome uh, at the time. So I was, you know, I was into Rob Zombie when I was a kid. Uh, the hits were all good. Uh, Feed the Gods by White Zombie is an awesome song. If you remember Airheads, I think you remember, uh, I believe White Zombie are in that scene. Um, yeah, pretty great. Uh, but yeah, I've seen him live in concert. And he actually puts on a really good concert. Um, if you get the ch- I don't know if he's still touring anymore. I actually just saw his little brother from Power Man 5000 uh, a few weeks ago <laughs> playing at a festival. <laughs> he's not the front man, is he? His younger brother is the front man from Power, Power Man 5000. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I always thought that guy, like, when, when he was, like, at his peak of his powers, if you want to call it that, I always thought of him as, like, he looked like Seth Green or something. Yeah, his hair for sure. He looked like Seth Green and uh, can't hardly wait. Basically, um, baby, baby. <laughs> uh, dude, he's fifty four and he still put on. Like, I'm not a Power Man five thousand fan, but he fucking did it. He put on a fucking show. Like, he had the energy up. It was, it was. I was, you know what? I was like, golf clap. Good job, buddy. You, you did a great job. I mean, one could say he was ready to go. Um, um, as far as his music videos go um i remember very very young and it was around halloween time i think i might have sent you the video for it it was uh more human than human which i think is also Mm -hmm. a white i can't remember if that's white zombie or rob zombie but i think uh i sent you the music video for that and it's basically just like clips and videos of like kids in halloween costumes from like throughout the years kind of thing it it was very i was it was very spooky when I was a kid. I was just like, oh, that's kind of creepy the way this is done. And that music video specifically, you'll see that style pop up in this movie. Um, that's, most of my Rob, that's most of my Rob Zombie connection. Okay. Well, I mean, as evidenced by you going to both brothers' concerts, I mean, I'd say you have an appreciation for his musical talents. No, no. Let's, 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 let's just be clear, Trevor. I was at a music <laughs> festival when Power Man 5000 oh, okay. were playing. They I did not go. Yeah, they happened to be there. They just and, happened to be there. And okay. the bands <laughs> I wanted to see weren't playing, so I was watching them while I was waiting. So let's just. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you made that distinction because yes. there was judgment happening. It was silent, but <laughs> <laughs> and, and when I saw Rob Zombie, uh, Anthrax were opening for him, so that was like a it was a nice little lineup to go see. Okay, well, I I'm not a, a listener of either Rob Zombie or <laughs> Power Man Five Thousand. I just know the one song clearly, uh, but I have always thought just by like 
like hearing like absorbing rob zombie's musical content through osmosis that like there's clear talent like like Mm. there's there's very strong creativity and musical talent behind his work it's just a matter of if that particular vibe if that particular sound works for you Mm -hmm. and i think there's a whole heap like heaping mound of people who that absolutely does not work for um every once in a while it does work for me i don't actively listen to it but i'll like pass by and i'll hear it and i'll be like oh that's rob zombie it ain't half bad you know that's kind of nice um he was always kind of he always kind of carried that reputation that i think was very intentional on his part mm-hmm. because he has kind of that alice cooper kind of vibe to him where it's like you can tell he kind of gets off a little bit on being ostracized and being othered by the people who don't like him and just make assumptions about what who he is and what he's about because very similar to like an alice cooper like if you've ever seen wayne's world if you get him without have, the makeup, actually, you're yeah. going to find a very different person. In fact, I think Alice Cooper had like a, a radio program or something for a really long time. He may still, where it's like very clearly an educated fellow, very yes. clearly a different person yes. um, than the man who performs on the stage. Marilyn Manson was also very much known for being like people have an assumption about him. And then you get him on interviews and like, oh, shit, he's slick. Like, he's actually pretty smart. But uh, I can't, anytime I hear or see Milwaukee, I go, Milwaukee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, it's pronounced Milwaukee. Which is Algonquin for the good okay. land. <laughs> I was going to say, did you want to jump into the cast a little bit? Um, sure. I mean, we have a, a laundry list of at least notable faces. Yes. Not names necessarily, but you if you have watched any number of films with any number of character actors, you will have encountered these folks yes. a time or two. Oh, I do want to give at least this much to Rob Zombie. I don't think... I mean, next to Tim Burton, I don't think there is another entertainer or, uh, or director who's this much in love with Halloween and horror. Because Rob's like it's oozing out of him, and I just want to say at the top real quick, don't watch the Munsters movie. We're not going to cover it for this podcast because I cannot finish it. If you know what, Trevor, if you can watch it on your own time and finish it, I'll do it. But we tried watching it. I gave up. Um, it is really, really aesthetically pleasing. They did uh, went above and beyond creating the sets for that movie. The makeup looks great. Even the guy who plays Herman Munster is pretty decent. But there's no story. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, I appreciate, I appreciate his style, and very much leading into this movie, that's kind of what I appreciate about this movie is I really appreciate his style, aesthetically. Well, you did, you did start this episode pointing to like your question as to like, is Rob Zombie a good director? Yeah. Um, because he very, clear, I feel like if you had like a like a, a power graph or something like his would be a intense spike towards aesthetics yeah and then like just like utterly anemic in other areas that are essential to directing a good film i can tell you this much tarkovsky and bergman would say he's shit but then again i think they think that every other director that ever lived is shit so it's hard it's hard to tell trevor i can't really judge it by that caliber well i mean we're dealing with art here uh yeah. maybe art that involves a lot of you know finance and whatnot but it is still art um exactly. so anyway uh cast we got yeah. a big cast here yeah we got a uh, sid haig playing captain spaulding um and uh, the other thing is that uh 
uh, Rob Zombie is very good about snagging these uh, people from these like uh, shitty horror movies throughout the years. And <laughs> I think Sid Haig is one of those guys. I'm not. I can't remember which horror movies he's been in, um, but I think he's been in quite a few like B horror movies. Um, Mother Firefly is played by Karen Black, and she's definitely been in some shit, uh, <laughs> some stuff that you've never heard. I think this is the only movie you've heard of her being in. Uh, you've probably never heard of any other movies. Uh, Bill Mosley, uh, who you will of course know from Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, not the first one. Yeah, he's in. The, he's from the second one, and he's just as obnoxious in that movie. Um, <laughs> Sherry Moon Zombie, who you will know uh, explicitly from Rob Zombie movies. I don't think she's been in anything else besides Rob Zombie movies. Um, and uh, you know, she's not the worst, but not the best either. Um, and we've got just a few other people. Walton Goggins, uh, who's always great. Uh, Dennis Fimple, who plays Grandpa, who is secretly my favorite character of the movie, uh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> and then uh, Chris Hardwick and Rain Wilson, and as Rain Wilson is Dwight from The Office. Now, Kyle, why why does the name Chris Hardwick sound so much more famous than it actually is? So Chris Hardwick is a stand-up comedian. Oh, he's a comedian. Uh, he's done some stand-up. Uh, he's actually very funny. I actually really like Chris okay. Hardwick. He, he's very talented. Uh, he did the show At Midnight on Comedy Central, which was a funny show. I remember watching it. Um, but yeah, I think he does the... He did a... I think he does a podcast on The Walking Dead. I think he was The Walking Dead podcast. Okay, because for some reason, it could just be the combination of sounds or something, but that sounds like a name that should be famous. <laughs> like, I should know that, but like when I saw him on screen and when I looked into his Wikipedia, I was just like, I don't, I don't really think i know this guy <laughs> he's very doughy in this movie uh <laughs> yes um but yeah he's uh he's probably more known like among people who like, the talking dead he hosts the tower the the talking dead which was an hour-long after show on amc uh affiliated with there the network go. zombie Zombie, walking dead yeah um yeah he's done some stuff he's been in i think he's done some voice acting he's done uh producing he's done stand-up he's done comedy central stuff um so he's he's doing he's been doing stuff but yeah he looks different here because he's yeah he's a little doughy gotcha i was actually going to send you a clip of his stand-up but i couldn't find a youtube video of it but uh if i if i'm gonna search again it's fucking hilarious uh i'm, I'm gonna send you some eventually all right i'll check it out but for the time being uh not not a known actor to me personally um i will point out that uh sid haig uh is if you ask me the best part of the movie, mm -hmm. um, I, I really enjoy his his particular portrayal of Captain Spaulding. Um, and very interesting fella. I believe he passed away fairly recently. Yeah, it was pretty recent. Um, but if you look into his filmography, it's uh, it's fascinating, actually. In fact, kind of similar to like a, a Quentin Tarantino, I guess. I want to say that that's kind of Rob Zombie's M.O. for casting some of his favorite people in these movies, is mm -hmm. he snatches up these people who maybe had promising careers at one point or maybe they were character actors that were regularly working but never had like spotlight starring or headlining roles mm -hmm. and he just grabbed them because he 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 saw something in them that he felt could was deserving of further screen time or expansion um and in the case of sid haig i want to say that's the case uh, same with karen black for that matter 
I believe her career was on a different track for a while, and then, you know, at some point, uh, Hollywood works its magic and decides you're 30 um, and stops tossing you, you know, the good roles and whatnot. Um, In Sid Haig's case, he did a lot of exploitation films, but also if you look into his filmography, it's like the man was on the set of a George Lucas film. Mm -hmm. Uh, The man was also on the set of a James Bond film at one point. He was in THX 1138 in a very, Ah. very small role. Same with Diamonds Are Forever, very, very small role. But he was on big sets, um, and as evidenced by his work in the Rob Zombie films, the guy had chops. I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of those exploitation movies, I want to say they probably didn't have scripts to work from, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the acting that he had to do was improvisational. Um, And I want to say that's probably one of his strong suits. Probably same with Bill Mosley, if I had to guess. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, In that case, I don't quite enjoy it as much. In Sid Haig's case, I could watch it all day, honestly. (laughs) Yes, he's very affable. Uh, Yeah, he worked a lot with Pam Greer. Uh, He was even even in uh, Jackie Brown. I I don't remember him in that movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I did notice a coffee or a coffee. Uh, in his filmography that was actually on like in line to be one of the films we talked about yeah. for our uh, ladies night uh, event month where we talked about uh, female led uh, action films but mm-hmm. instead we went with uh, foxy brown foxy brown uh, which was fun yeah either one as far as i know either one is considered like top tier pam greer in her prime so not a bad choice between the two of them <laughs> Um, do you want to set up the plot? It's really easy to do the plot. It's, have you seen a horror movie? It's that. <laughs> uh, yeah, a carload of teenagers happens upon some evil rednecks and merry mishaps ensue. Yeah. <laughs> Hellbillies, yeah. <laughs> Hellbillies. He literally has a... Let's it, be PC here. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, he has uh, an album called Hellbilly Deluxe, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, do you want to go uh, front to back? Because I feel like... We, the transitions are kind of an important, uh, an important facet of his films that I find very jarring. I don't like his, uh, I don't like his transitions. So I think we should probably talk about the movie, going like just kind of linear, because uh, yeah. yeah, I'm glad I took note of all of those numerous transitions because it is a stylistic choice. It is um, one one that I largely fundamentally disagree with mm-hmm. um it it really disorients you mm-hmm. uh, it prevents the movie from having the a proper flow. narrative flow yeah thank you <laughs> yeah. but uh it's a choice um i want to say it's largely an aesthetic one um and it, clearly it works for him because it does seem to be th- something he calls back to very often and the use of like kind of like grimy stock footage looking Things to cut away to seems to be a staple of a lot of his uh, music video work as well. Um, so it's definitely like a hallmark of, of his of his craft, I guess. But uh, I do fundamentally disagree with it. Um, I do think it's really funny uh, that the runtime for this movie is sh- is 89 minutes, mm-hmm. not even 90. And if you were to take those transitions out of it, I'm curious how long it would It'd actually be. 40 be. minutes long. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> seriously, uh, but I, I do want to say that this movie is sh- uh, it is shot pretty well. Like I think that like the cinematography is pretty good in this movie. But pay attention to this movie, and then next week when we talk about Halloween, how it's completely different in the way it's shot. Like he does something completely different in that movie. Yeah, I I'd like to disclose ahead of time that 
all of the Rob Zombie movies I have seen, I have seen probably exactly one time, and all of them were a very long time ago. Mm. Uh, so all of these are re- like most of these are going to be rewatches for me. Um, but they're rewatches of things I haven't seen in a really long time. And also, it's important to note that the first Rob Zombie movie I saw, I think, was The Devil's Rejects, mm. uh, which is aesthetically a much different film. Completely different. Um, very, very different film. Uh, much more intense, if you ask me. Very, very much more centered on performance than than aesthetics and, and like the general vibe and look of the thing. Um, this one is definitely... Let, let's build some cool sets yes. um, and have my wife do cool things on them, <laughs> like the movie. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, th- this movie seems more built on look and feel uh, than than acting and, and performance and narrative and whatnot. But yeah, I, I'm comfortable going front to back on this one. It should be pretty breezy, honestly. Yeah, I, I can step on the gas. It's not too bad. Um, <laughs> so, do okay, so this we get this opening of uh, these cable access horror um, uh, horror shows. Joe Bob, I guess Joe Bob Briggs does it. Uh, there's another yeah. one. Uh, there's another one that I watched a little bit of, um, I think from like the late 90s, early aughts, that's kind of entertaining but it's essentially where you have a host doing like commercial breaks for a really old almost public domain horror movie black and white horror movie yeah, yeah th- this is rob zombie wearing his influences on his sleeve yeah um, because the the horror host is a it's a staple of yeah. television it's been around for decades like as long as the medium has existed there there have been horror hosts i mean at one point, funny you brought up the Munsters, Grandpa Munster mm. uh, had a horror hosting gig uh, where he would screen like movie, like not quite public domain horror movies and whatnot. And then Elvira, obviously. Yes. I think, uh, was it Vampira uh, did the same deal uh, out like outside of her dealings with Ed Wood as, as an actress or whatnot. That was her gig it was she was a, a horror hostess. Um, and Joe Bob Briggs is kind of carrying the torch these days. It's only a matter of time before someone else steps up. Uh, there's probably people on YouTube doing the same fucking deal. But mm-hmm. yeah, we get Doctor Doctor Wolfenstein. He says it. I yeah. think the the announcer actually says Doctor Wolfenstein. I'm sorry. I I have to assume that uh, Rob Zombie is a gamer. <laughs> he does strike me as that sort of fella. Uh, that would you know kill some of his time on the road or whatever dicking around on his his pc or his ps5 (laughs) um so i can't help but think of castle wolfenstein uh, when i see this name (laughs) uh there is some problematic stuff in that monsters movie as far because he brings back these uh talking heads and he makes up these fake hosts there's one in there i'm like oh buddy i see what you're doing and i don't know if that's okay uh but it involve lipstick or anything it involves a jewish host i'll leave it at that okay Um, good job rob (laughs) and yeah i might be reading into it too much but uh i'll describe it to you off air and you can you can be the judge um but yeah so uh you know we got the cable access horror host which is fun and then we get the captain spaulding commercial and he's got this museum of monsters and madmen he's like come on down check it out kitties love it too uh i'm doing his voice uh and he's like don't forget your fried chicken he's got fried chicken as well um and that kind of cuts, and then we get to this really long shot of, like, we're at his museum. I just wanted to ask you, what do you think about this shot? <laughs> this particular, like, just this panning down, going down. 
it's a it, there, there's a, a term that I it feels unmotivated I guess where it's it's artful in the way it looks mm-hmm. but I don't know exactly what it's intended to mean I yeah. guess what Kyle's describing is we cut to like the the giant signage hanging above Captain Spaulding's museum and it has this like neon sign it's elaborately designed uh, there's a lot of neon lighting in this movie by the way um and the camera just pulls very long and slow there's another 30 minutes i i i I don't want to get hung up on all these little scenes but there's just i wanted to ask you about that one because there's one later that i'm like oh my fucking god get to it like yeah i think you know know exactly what i'm talking about i know what you're talking about (laughs) yeah so it's uh october 1977 october 30th 1977 um and then we get captain spaulding talking to herman from scrooged uh and they're just talking like just this is just bad dialogue but you get sid Haig's just charming laugh in there would you call it charming i think it's 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 funny i think it's a it's a charming laugh I, I I find everything Captain Spaulding to do to be alternatively hilarious and or terrifying. Yeah, I I, I kind of wish we just had a Captain Spaulding movie. We do. Um, it's called the Devil's Sid, Rejects. Sid Haig as this. Nah, it's mostly his. He's, movie. he's not. No, but he's not doing. He's not being Captain Spaulding. He's just being mean in that movie the whole yeah. time. Like, and he's just yelling at people the whole time. It's like no. What makes this performance in this movie work better for me is that. You, you, he has kind of like a Jack Nicholson Joker yeah. vibe to him. It's like you don't you don't know where he's going. Yeah, like he can jump in the same breath, jump from like seeming like he's gonna rip your head off to wanting to give you free fried chicken and write hand write you a map and send you on your merry way. Yeah, so like you never quite know what he's gonna do. In Devil's Rejects, he's just mean. It's yeah, just, he's, that movie's just mean. That it movie's makes an- you feel bad. Yeah, that movie's annoying. <laughs> that movie just really makes you feel bad. Bill Mosley has a really great moment in that movie, uh, but other than that, there's nothing to take away from that film for me. Like, just one. I will, I will say, I will say, sit like the phrase "tutti fucking fruity" oh, is is immediately what I think of when I think of Sid. <laughs> I can't. I cannot. Just just the way he says it, like, specifically the way he yeah. says it. But um, but this opening scene, I really like this opening scene. Uh, we get him. They're talking about some guy that the other guy works with. They're making fun of him. We get him doing that, which is pretty funny. But these two dudes come in there and try to rob the place, and his interaction. I love his interaction. They're like, put your hands up. And he puts his middle fingers up. He's, yeah. It's just, just like reflexively puts up the yeah. finger. <laughs> he just goes back and forth with these guys. But um, what ends up happening is these two idiots trying to rob the place are just, they, they fuck it all up. And uh, there's another guy outside that they didn't know about. And he kind of comes in and uh, saves the day there. But um, Spalding ends up getting the drop on the other guy and shoots him. And I love the, uh, instead of blowing the smoke out of the barrel, he sniffs it. I always thought that was a nice moment in the movie. Yeah, a couple of details I'd like Go to highlight. Um, so this is going to be a recurring thing in this discussion, folks, is um, aesthetics versus, like, in in the biggest of air quotes, direction, I guess. Um, because we're going for a certain look, we're going for a certain vibe, but I don't know that the right choices were made in achieving that. It's like, you can tell what they're approximating. You can tell what Rob Zombie is trying to accomplish. I just don't know that he did, he went about it the right way. 
Um, so when when these these crooks come in here wearing their ski masks or whatever, we get like a Sam Raimi esque shot, like a creeper cam, yeah. if you will, where the camera like first person view like it's runs through the door. Shot, yeah. It is an evil dead shot, straight up. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just pointing it out. Um, I did like the interaction where uh, Spaulding's buddy comes out of the toilet and immediately is like, oh, don't I know you? Yeah, and he like, says his full name and he sa- he knows where he works. Yeah. And he starts teasing him about a song that the town made up for him called Little Dick Wick. Yeah, Little Dick Wick. He even takes his mask off at one point because he's been found out yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. Only problem with all this is what Kyle had said earlier: is the the, the dialogue, the writing. It's bad. It's really unnatural. Sid Haig is the only one who can manage it. Yes. Like like he knows how to handle it. Everybody else feels a little off. Like their timing is wrong. And not only that, we have like this Paul Greengrassian and like shaky cam mm. thing going on. And remember, this is I think the same year maybe as uh, the Born Supremacy. Um, so it's i'm not saying influence was drawn from either one i just want to say that it was the style at the time (laughs) Um, nobody ripped anyone off but but the way they're affecting the shaky cam is really clumsy it doesn't add tension it just feels like i want somebody to do it better or or just lock the fucking camera down um and then there's some interesting aesthetic choices here where the way Spaulding gets the drop on the one guy is they're arguing back and forth, and every time the guy makes a demand, Spaulding comes back at him, telling him to fuck some member of his family. Yes. I did like the punchline uh, at the resolution of that. That was pretty great. Yeah. Uh, everything Spaulding does in this movie, I like. But uh, some other dude wearing a big, like, carnival helmet or something, like a big, like, clown mask, charges through the door and bludgeons the one guy carrying the gun. Um, and the way we execute that is we show him run through the door twice, mm-hmm. and then we show the reaction shot twice. And it it's a, it feels, and I want to say this is a sim- this is just symptomatic of Rob Zombie's entire filmography. This feels very early seventies. Mm-hmm. Like this is a this is one of those editing. I don't know if you'd call it a trick, but it's an editing style that I have seen in many an exploitation film. Uh, many a Sonny Chiba film, actually. <laughs> um, but it's truly bizarre to see in a 2003 production. And I don't know if it looks cheap. It, it just looks weird. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, uh, the guy gets knocked to the floor and uh, Spaulding shoots him. And, and the the capper to that long string of telling him to fuck his family members is, oh, and last of all, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I do like the shot of him shooting twice. Like you see him shoot once and it, you still see him shoot the second time that it goes black, which is like, oh, that's a nice yeah. little touch. And then we go into a Rob Zombie music video, uh, which is, <laughs> and that's literally what a Rob Zombie music video is the credits. It's literally what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, it's not bad, actually. I like yeah. the song. I like the vibe of it. Yeah, it's, it's it has a bad. very memorable tune to it, like, yeah. a great hook. No, he's not. He's not a terrible musician. I, I, he, Dragula's awesome, dude. <laughs> it's an awesome. Oh, song. I was, I was singing that to the girlfriend last night. Like, that shit gets you amped. <laughs> that shit gets you amped. Uh, it was funny. We had a, we had a brief discussion about our relationship to lyrics because for her she's very literal it's like the the words have to mean something for her to care and oh, i'm like god i don't care i don't if care. it sounds good dude i'll send my <laughs> friends like I, I like i like some rap and hip-hop but like hip-hop is what i listen to when i'm serious like i'm, I'm like i'm into this i'm kind of listening to the lyrics i appreciate the beat i understand what these guys are saying 
But with rap, I'm like, I just want clever or a good beat. So I'll listen to fucking Riff Raff. You can look up Riff Raff <laughs> on your own time and see who he is. But I'll send like f- songs to my friends that listen to rap more. And they're like, what the fuck did you send me? Like, they're mad <laughs> because they're like, this guy is a clown. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not taking him seriously. It's just, it's a good vibe. It's, it's, it's got a funness to it. But yeah, not everybody's the same. No, we we noticed different things. In her case, she could not she could not handle the Dracula, and Dude. I was like, I don't care what he's talking about. I like the way it sounds. You should have her listen to <laughs> Dulce and Gabbana by uh, Riff Raff. That is a great song. Um, okay, but yeah, we'll do. We'll do. Yeah. So we get our uh, we get our teenagers, but these are actually like fucking thirty year olds <laughs> driving in the rural rural Texas. I believe it's supposed to be Texas. Um, and this was, I'm like road trip crew we get introduced to them and they're like we gotta stop and get gas there's the bickering back and forth um i think these two have decent chemistry together like just kind of like being like bros that are just kind of not shitty to each other but just like they've been they've been in the car for too long with each other basically but um and we get them going to captain spaulding's and the I don't think Rob, again, Rob Zombie's not good at scene transitions, but I thought that this was pretty good. Them going to the gas station and then going inside. Did you catch what was happening when they go inside? Mm, we get a grimy transition. Uh, that's all my, my notes yeah. read. Um, when they're in the car, we do get some photos of them looking at the, the Manson women. Yes. Uh, the Charles Manson, like, squeaky followers, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, by the way, this is a rain wilson yes and chris hardwick yeah. are the two dudes as I, i've called them in my notes um do you have the details on this particular transition kyle yeah so as they go to the gas station like the the captain spaulding's place he just finished mopping up the blood and like he's yes uh, yeah i thought that was just like as soon as they walk in he's just putting the car he's just putting the uh the mop bucket behind the counter which i'm like oh nice just clean up just in time just to satisfy my own curiosity uh, mm-hmm. i need to look up a movie by uh, <laughs> a german filmmaker by the name of uva bull oh uh, because i i am curious february 2003 and what when did house of the a thousand corpses come out april 2003 okay so uva bull beat him to the punch uh these transitions um, so we are going to make reference to these as we go through. Basically, the movie just hard stops and cuts to something that may or may not be related to the mm-hmm. film itself. Yeah. Sometimes it's uh, our director's wife uh, getting it on with a skeleton. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's Bill Mosley speaking direct to camera uh. and saying whatever the fuck comes to mind. Uh, sometimes it's stock footage of like fields or animals or whatever the fuck. It's very Ed Woody. Mm is what it is but the reason i looked up uva bull's uh, house of the dead is because that movie makes use liberal use of a similar technique although the footage that the, he chose to use for that movie is actual like arcade game footage from the house of the dead video game <laughs> and it is you thought this was jarring that is weird where Ugh. your live action movie cuts to sega saturn era video game graphics just out of nowhere <laughs> it's like nice. oh i thought we were watching a movie we're, we're apparently at our theater in the arcade center sure <laughs> um, but yeah i did notice that he was wiping up the the blood uh captain spaulding was and that was neat where it, it gives you an indication of when that took place it's like 
five minutes before. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it'll also let you know, like, oh, he's not calling the cops. He's, they're just taking care of this themselves. Um, exactly. Uh, but, yeah, so this is where – I think this is a good a good scene between Rain Wilson and – uh, yeah, between Rain Wilson and Captain Spaulding, him just asking about uh, about the area and, like, hey, we're looking for – we're looking for something. I can't. Is it is it the Doctor Satan tree, or is he looking for something else? Uh, they don't know about the Doctor Satan tree just okay. yet because Spalding is the one who tells them. Um, but I think they're both like attempting to be journalists or something, just like writing about roadside attractions and whatnot. And long story short, uh, they start out chummy, mm-hmm. like like they're just going back and forth, having a good time and whatnot, and. Uh, Rain Wilson mentions he's more into sci-fi than horror and whatnot, and Spalding's like, "Yeah, you look it." Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but there's a, a tone shift where yes. Spalding just looks him dead in the eyes with a big old grin on his face. Like, How come you're asking so many jackassy questions? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, and this is where we start getting these zooms. Where in order to build tension, Rob Zombie is making use of zooms uh, to like punch in on the expressions of, of whoever's eliciting threats or whatnot. And I couldn't tell, actually. Like, I want to say these are digital. Like, I don't know if all of these were actually shot this way. I want to say these were, like, altered in post for effect to, like, to like put emphasis on the right syllable okay. or something like that. Um, but pretty much, like, over the course of this whole conversation, as Sid Haig is continuing to grow more and more menacing, the camera keeps pushing in on him very slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, just a weird little thing I noticed. Also, the music is kind of building and building in intensity and whatnot. Um, I did like the part that this comes up probably in all of Rob Zombie's movies of uh, our, hell, our resident hellbilly uh, going on a rant and accusing uh, these young patrons as being patronizing mm-hmm. like like basically like making fun of him uh for seemingly being lesser than them or something um neat little tangent yeah i like his uh he's like well if you were gonna go on ro- roadside attracts he's like well i don't travel he's like but if you were but i don't but he's just like just yeah. being ornery yeah. uh, a lot of fun but he's yeah. like all right guys well uh you guys should do this ri- i would do this ride that uh in the back like a fun like haunted house ride kind of thing uh, and we get uh, Albert Fish, which I read about um, several years ago. I have a big book of about serial killers. Um, we'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I read about Albert Fish. And if you get the moment, just check out his Wikipedia page or just find an article about him. A uh, really disturbing guy. Uh, and he's not really that well known. But interesting, of course, Rob Zombie would know who he is. Uh, and, of course, you got to have Ed Gein. You have to have a, a, an exhibit about Ed Gein. And then you get introduced to the character Dr. Satan, uh, who I guess was a crazy doctor in the area who was trying to create a race of uh, monsters or something like that, or superhuman monsters. Yeah, I don't know if this is another Ed, Ed Wood reference, um, but it reminds me of Bride of the Monster. A race of atomic supermen. Yes. <laughs> um, that's what Bea Lugosi's goal was in that film. Uh, so this is uh, S. Quentin Quayle, a.k.a. Dr. Satan, uh, who worked at a mental hospital and is apparently trying to create a, r- a race of superhumans from experimenting on the mentally ill. Mm. 
Um, and in a very Freddy Krueger-esque fashion, apparently the community turned on him and executed him. Um, but his body went missing. Oh, no. Um, yeah. yeah. I did notice here uh, another editing trick that uh, Rob Zombie starts to make use of from this point on is a multicam. Uh, this is something that uh, oh, it's you see it from time to time. But I want to say like in in more modern, more mainstream like context, uh, Brian De Palma is kind of the most noteworthy example, probably. But basically, he splits the frame right down the middle to show two things happening simultaneously. So he'll have this grimy stock footage of the serial killer, or whoever we're talking about, in the murder ride, along with Sid Haig's face, big as life and twice as ugly spelling spelling out the narrative uh, behind that person or whatever it works i don't, I don't have a problem with it um oh, I, I like it actually i like it quite a lot it's just one of those things that it jumps out to, at you immediately because you don't see it very often mm-hmm. uh yeah they get through this and uh i love chris hardwick coming out of there that was awesome dr satan uh yeah love his energy but uh he's like he wants to go, I think they end up wanting to go to this tree, but first we have uh, the one girl. I didn't take down their names because I don't remember their names popping up in dialogue. I don't think any of these people refer to each other by their names. I could be wrong. Um, but the one girl has to go talk, go call her dad and tell her where they're at and that they're going to be a little late, like what time they're supposed to be arriving because that's where they're headed, I believe. Yeah, so our final girl is played by Erin Daniels. Uh, her name is Denise. Denise, okay. Um, and... Un- the unfortunate quote other girl <laughs> is a uh, mary portrayed by jennifer Justin. but um kyle did you recognize her papa uh yeah that's matt old matt damon in uh in uh saving private ryan also correct <laughs> also the dad he's also the dad in kiss kiss bang bang but he only has one little scene at the end of that movie um but yeah i did recognize him uh, yeah, we get this. Uh, he's at home. It's like Halloween. It looks, it looks like Haddonfield, basically. Kids just trick-or-treating in the neighborhood. And uh, he sees this story about missing cheerleaders uh, that's happened locally. So put a pin in that. Because uh, yeah, they will... He's flipping channels. And uh, speaking of Bea Lugosi, we get a clip from one of his movies. I'm not actually positive which one it might be. But yeah, there's a, a television news report about five missing cheerleaders in the area. Yeah put the biggest of fucking pins in that yeah um but yeah but chris hardwick is like i want to go see the dr satan tree and spalding's like why would you want to go see that shit you don't want to go see it it's it's not a big deal and they're like they insist so he's like i'll he draws him a map and he's like if you get lost too fucking bad like i don't really give a shit and i do like a I, 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 don't forget your complimentary chicken yeah <laughs> the bag of chicken i'm gonna bring back up here uh, in a little bit, because I think there was a little bit of a, I think there was something. I think Bill Mosley's character Otis is actually holding a small bag like that from the convenience store. So they, I think he's trying to telegraph it kind of early if you if you if you catch it. I mean, you, I hope you would catch that. I mean, you don't have to have seen a, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie to know that uh, fried food and hellbillies is no is no good. <laughs> like that's not a combination you want in your neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and we get a transition where, uh, speaking of Bill Mosley, I believe this is where we get to see him uh, yelling at a bunch of girls who are being held captive. Is not, that here? Not yet. We're almost there. That's, okay. It's my favorite. Okay. It's my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> is is that? It's so funny. Okay. Um, 
But yes, so they're going to go see Dr. Satan, and uh, wouldn't you know it, a fucking smoke show is out there just hitchhiking uh, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, they pick up uh, Sherry Moon Zombie, uh, Baby is her name. Uh, she is super annoying in this role, but she's supposed to be super annoying in this role. Um, I don't think she's necessarily bad. I don't think she's that necessarily a bad actress, but she really just has these movies. Um, I think she does a little bit better in Halloween, smaller role, less for her to do. Uh, and we'll get to Lords of Salem. I don't really remember that movie, but I, I need to go back and rewatch it, and I need you to watch it with me. So she might do better in there as well. But Yeah, that's one I actually haven't seen. Uh, that's that's like one of the few Rob Zombie movies I haven't seen, so I can't speak to Lords of Salem. But uh, Halloween, yeah, she's playing a much more withdrawn character in that, and she does it okay. Like mm-hmm. she she plays you know that particular character pretty well. Um, this one, Kyle's absolutely right. She is unbelievably annoying, but she's supposed to be. Yes. And so it's very it's very difficult to 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 walk that line and understand that's like i hate i hate her so much but i get it that's that's what she was asked to do and she's doing it really well only problem is we get like what two or three movies with this character in it and the devil's rejects in particular that entire movie is based around the premise that you want you want those people to have bad things happen to them and it just keeps they just keep denying you mm-hmm. and as a result it's a very very frustrating watch yeah. because they're con- they're constantly put in positions where it's like oh it's going to happen we're going to be rid of baby finally nope. nope you got another hour and a half with baby <laughs> it's like god fucking damn it yeah. <laughs> um but yeah they she's uh they're going towards her house dropping her off um and uh, a dude in a bear coat i think it's tyler maine I can't remember. No, <laughs> no, in, this he, is not time. He's in Devil's Rejects. Sorry, he's in Devil's Rejects, and he plays Michael Myers in Halloween. Um, so he's not quite yeah. into this, into the uh, Rob Zombie's filmography just yet. But I was surprised. Uh, so this this character is RJ, and he's played by Robert Allen Mukes. Um, and what's surprising to me is that this fellow is six ten. Uh, apparently, he did have a pro wrestling career, uh, which I was expecting for sure. <laughs> um, but as far as I know, not quite the most noteworthy of professional res- wrestlers because I think he was injured and forced to retire. Mm. Um, at, for a second there, I was thinking this might have been Jeep Swenson, um, Truck Swanson, yeah. if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Jeep had been dead for a while at this point. I don't know when he died. Uh, Batman and Robin was 97. Um, and I believe his WCW career was the early 90s. But yeah, I was shocked uh, that this fella, as big as he is, um, he does have a pretty he does have a pretty extensive filmography. Like he, he was in a handful of productions here and there. Apparently he was in Bone Tomahawk. He may oh, have yeah. been the big Bone Tomahawk in that, being as he's 6'10". Um, and there aren't that many actors in Hollywood that can claim that. Um, Sid Haig is in Bone Tomahawk as well. Interesting. Yes, he is. Uh, uh, Jeep just Swin- in the opening. Jeep Swinson died in 1997. Okay, so it could not have been Truck Swanson. Uh, but yeah, I was surprised I didn't know who this particular big man was. Um, but clearly, Tyler Maine would go on to be 
uh, Rob Zombie's go-to big man uh, mm-hmm. in his movies. But um, yeah, Robert Allen Mukes as a the Bear Man, as I have in uh, in my notes here. <laughs> um. But yeah, so uh, somebody shoots out their tire, and Rain and Baby go to her house, uh, which has got junk all around. It's pouring rain, by the way. It's nighttime, thunder, lightning, all that stuff. A uh, bunch of red flags immediately. She's like, oh yeah, look at all these dolls. I used to just cut their heads off, and they're all nailed up on the outside of the house. And he's like, okay, cool. Um, and she ends up scaring the shit out of him. Like She goes to like let him in, but she like pops up behind him, takes him in. Uh, they're watching TV... And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have my brother go pick him up. Like, go pick up everybody else so they can come to the house as well. She is trying to close on Rain Wilson. uh, But it feels very much like a trap because he's Rain Wilson and she's Sherry Moon Zombie. (laughs) It's like two very different people. Yeah, it's kind of funny because the way he he plays this, it's like you can tell that he's aware of that. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's going along with it. Like, yeah. like he, he does he can do the math on both ends at the same time where he's like, I know this is probably a bad idea, but why not? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's play this out. Let's see how far we can take this before something truly catastrophic happens. But uh, around this time, I believe, yes. is when we get oh. the scene that oh. I had I jumped the gun on. It's so funny. So yes, we get we get introduced to Otis, who's played by what looks like an albino uh bill mosley he's very very pale pasty white with uh like light white blonde hair and he is just up in his room yelling or just talking very sternly to these group of cheerleaders who are tied up and gagged and he's just society is crazy my brain is frozen (laughs) it just just like there's an a maniac spewing nonsense to these people i I just get a kick out of it it's really funny i think i mean there's a reason they brought up charles manson uh when they did in this movie i think it's to plant that seed in your head as to like what you what you might be in store for later on in this movie um but i want to say this is this is like bill mosley's gift as an actor Mm -hmm. is that he's able to he's able to challenge that where it's just like word vomit Mm -hmm. just like diarrhea of the mouth um, because the words that he strings together here are utter nonsense. Mm-hmm. They're mouth noises that make sense to only him. Exactly. And not everybody has that in their tool set. Like, I couldn't do that. I couldn't just, like, come up with words to throw out at people with intensity. Um, but he does it really ably, and he does it, like, across multiple Rob Zombie films. Although, if memory serves, by the time we get to The Devil's Rejects, I don't know if he's playing the same character in that. It's the same. Um, it's the same character's. He's a lot more. He's a lot more straight. Yes. Yeah. He's a lot more level head. He makes a lot more sense in that. Um, so I want to say that his interpretation of the character drastically changed. But in this one, he is just spouting nonsense. And what makes it scary is that clearly, based on his tone, it makes perfect sense to him. Mm-hmm. But to us, the receiver of the words, it's just, I, I don't know what the fuck this is. And. I did like that they uh, they changed the lighting scheme mm-hmm. as he's pacing around the room. It like goes from like I think it's like blues to reds. Like, and it's just these hard cuts back and forth between the two of them as he's ranting and pacing around the room to these tied up cheerleaders. Very very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is where you can tell that like Rob Zombie does have strengths as a filmmaker, and I do believe almost all of them are in terms of visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows how to put interesting images on the screen. Um, 
but yeah, uh, Sherry Moon, uh, baby, is flirting with Rain Wilson. Uh, we get the Bear Man, um, and I believe uh, this is where we're we're cutting back. We're using that technique where we're just cutting to like random footage of things. Mm-hmm. And right around the time Baby was introduced, we actually have like a scene of her again, like grimy stock footage looking stuff of her speaking direct to camera and talking about killing people. Like yeah. if you have to, you just, you just gotta. And then we also get to see her like dancing with skeletons and like laying in bed with skeletons and stuff as she's flirting with Rain Wilson. So yeah. it's like the movie, the movie is spelling out to us that this, this girl's no good rain. Uh, you, you better, uh, you better get out of there quick. Yeah. Um, it, it's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> essentially. Yes. Um, uh, but yeah, the truck arrives, and in the meantime, uh, House of Frankenstein is on the TV at the house, by the way. And uh, around this time, I think, is where we're introduced to Karen Black, correct? Yeah, uh, Mother Firefly comes in. They're asking to... Yeah. So everybody's in the house now, and Mother Firefly comes in, and she's just like, there's no phone. Uh, and she's basically... The best way to describe this character is um, if... Uh, so you're looking at Dolly Parton. You remember this scene from Who Framed Roger Rabbit? It's when uh, Eddie goes to Toontown, and he's looking through the peephole, and he sees what looks like a really hot lady, like kind of undressing a little, like just kind of in the in there. And he's just like, "Is that Jessica Rabbit?" It's like somebody who looks like Jessica Rabbit. And then she's like, "My man!" And then she's got like cross eyes and gap in her teeth, and she's like chasing him. That's that. So if Dolly Parton was Jessica Rabbit, this Firefly is basically that version, like the funny cartoon, goofy version of her. I think the character's name was like Lena Hyena or something. Um, she looked like a character from a Tex Avery skit, but um, that is actually what came to my mind too. Like, really? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we were on the exact same page there. And in fact, when she started speaking, like I haven't looked it up, um, but I was curious if she'd done any voice acting because, like, her particular line delivery feels like a like a Southern caricature. Like mm-hmm. it sounds like something I was raised on in like cartoons or something like disney movies or an, an american tale five will goes west or something like that you know uh, i don't know but um your interpretation of the character is spot on <laughs> <laughs> glad we're on the same page um yeah so uh i think uh baby has uh, gone upstairs to uh put on makeup or something uh or she's just, we transition back to, she's got cheerleaders in her room. Uh, and she's basically like a bratty kid talking to the cheerleaders. Like, you're supposed to make me feel better. You haven't made me feel better. And she's just, this is where the dialogue's not great, where she's just kind of going, um, like, kind of messing with this girl. You can see also that there's a dead cheerleader on her bed. So she's already gone through yes. one. Um, yeah. These... Yeah. Ba- baby graduated from the Robert De Niro school of repeat yourself ad nauseum to, <laughs> to maybe drive point, home a point. Yeah. <laughs> um, a school of acting. But um, by the way, we also, we're, all of our characters are invited to dinner yeah. um, by Mama Firefly. And we're introduced to Tiny. Yes. Um, who's another member of the family. And his entrance is really cool i like the, the way they handled the sound design where it's like uh his footfalls are real loud mm-hmm. um and the, the room is real quiet um very interesting and i like the the costuming design 
Um, this uh, Tiny is played by Matthew McGorry, um, who unfortunately passed away at a very young age. Was this My um, Giant? I, I don't believe so, but I'm guy. looking at his filmography. Uh, Men in Black 2, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, Big Fish as Carl the yes, Giant. Yes, Big Fish, that's what I'm thinking um, of. Uh, Carnival, uh, Constantine, he has an uncredited role in. Mm. Uh, he is in The Devil's Rejects. And, uh, oh, uh, a, a tiny movie that probably not many of you out there have heard of, but Kyle actually went to the trouble to look up, uh, The Evil Within, uh, with, uh, was it, was it Michael Berryman? The Evil Within? Uh, yes, Michael Berryman. Uh, look up the poster, Kyle. You'll recognize it because you actually went out of your way to watch this movie because, uh, the trailer footage looked stop motiony or something, and it caught your eye. Let me look this up. It's from 2017 because that's a you know pretty common title for media properties. In fact, there's a pretty fun video game with that title, by the way. Yeah, and a sequel. That's what came. It. The Evil Within, the video game, came up. Pretty fun game. Uh, you should ask your brother if he's played it. <laughs> oh yes, 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 yes. The there is a really excellent stop motion moment in that movie. Uh, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I definitely watched that that moment. It's pretty pretty cool. Okay, but yeah, Tiny is played by Matthew McGorry. He is seven and a half fucking feet tall, by the way. Yeah, he was a big Um, dude. A big dude. Uh, Unfortunately passed away, but um, yeah, his entrance is pretty cool. I did like his costuming. The mask was very effective. Um, and I believe he's told to get grandpa, like pretty much as soon as he sits yeah. down, it's kind of, fu- it's kind of funny. It's like one of those relatable family moments where it's like, I just got comfortable. Yeah. Just <laughs> like, mm. Really mom? Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, and-, and we do get that, uh, that side story, uh, shown to us in like stock footage of, uh, dad, Papa Earl, uh, basically mama firefly tells, her guests the story of her husband apparently trying to burn down the house and the way she tells the story is just like oh you know just one of those things that happened and then the footage that we're shown is of a man dumping a gas can on tiny (laughs) and setting him on fire (laughs) oh you know Um, so that's the story of how he got burned yeah, it's not like The Shining where uh, Shelley Duvall is just like, well, you know, it's just one of those things that happened. He just yanked him a little too hard and it broke his arm. Yeah, no, no, he's dumping. Uh, it, the, the delivery is like that, yeah. except we're being shown a man being immolated. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got uh, we got everybody down there for dinner. She's telling the story, and she's like, well, it's Halloween. It's either Halloween or it's the next day or the day before Halloween. I don't know. But they have to wear masks at dinner. And uh, some of these masks are kind of creepy. They're wearing, they're like paper mache masks. And uh, they were talking about, I think one of them is like, yeah, I was into Halloween when I was younger. I just don't really care about Halloween now. And fucking Otis comes in. Like, already these people are a little uncomfortable with this family. Grandpa's kind of ornery. He's yelling at uh, the one girl, put on your mask. She won't let us have dessert without it. Um, But Otis comes in. With a fetus in a jar, and the, I, you can't see the actors' faces because they have masks on, but I think it makes it more effective because you can just hear them like, "Oh my god!" Like the life just drains out of them. Like, holy shit, this is a problem. This is not normal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's uh, 
it's pretty gross. Yeah, the yeah. fetus's name is Leroy, by the way. Oh, she gives it a kiss too. She's like, oh Leroy. She gives it a kiss. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm like, my ass would be so sweaty during this. Like, I would just be like, oh my god, we have to get the fuck out of here. We gotta jump through a window. <laughs> Um, I mean, we gotta pull up Brazilian airs and just exactly, exactly what I was just about to say. <laughs> I was about to say you gotta be the Brazilian airs from Nothing But Trouble. This is just that get moment. Get out of this movie. <laughs> Find John Candy. Get out of this movie. I can't have my sister around the little pickle throwing thingy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but the dialogue, Otis's dialogue in this is just bad, bad, bad. Uh, whatever he's saying here, it's really bad. Um, He's more lucid than he was upstairs, but yeah, it's not great. Holy Miss Molly got me a live oh, one. Oh, God. The, the, yeah. 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 Anyway. Sorry. Showtime. Yes. <laughs> the fucking talent show. Now, here's where it picks up. Uh, Grandpa. Grandpa, If I've only seen him in one other thing off the top of my head. He's in Maverick. And he's the guy that loses. Oh. he loses to one of the guys, and he starts crying, uh, which is funny. <laughs> Um, because he's, he loses real bad to like the big, the big wig and he starts crying and he's just like, get them the fuck out of here. Like, he's like, just go get, get rid of him. My God, that's embarrassing. Um, but he's doing some stand up, and he has got an intensity to him. It's, he's making noises and screaming. Uh, it's fucking hilarious, but I love Chris Hardwick is like in tears watching them do stand up. It's, it's really funny. Um, yeah, apparently, uh, I, what little research I did, I did very little research for this episode. Sorry, folks, if you're into that sort of thing. But um, apparently, Grandpa's role was cut short for this film. Um, and I'm, I kind of see evidence of that in particular here, uh, because this is cut in such a way that it's just noise. Yeah, like like it is. It is kind of funny because, like Kyle said, we get him saying vulgar things and then cut to chris hardwick just like bawling like yeah. just like is just like tears of joy and laughter coming out of his face but it's it's disjointed like mm-hmm. there's no setups or punchlines. it's just him yelling things and making obscene gestures and whatnot mm-hmm. um with you know rob zombie music playing over it so it feels like snippets of like a, a greater music video or something um as it stands it's fine it just feels like there's something missing mm-hmm. if, like if you ask me anyway it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense um but anyway we move on to our next attraction and it's a baby and is she is this like betty boop or something 100 percent. yeah this is definitely uh i forget the actress's name she did betty boop and olive oil she's also aunt bethany in christmas vacation if you remember little aunt bethany um i have not seen that film since i was very very young like single digits old that's Um, fucking insane i I remember liking it i know i remember really liking it and it's regarded as like a classic um but i have very little memories of it honestly we watch it every christmas every christmas uh (laughs) that's disappointing um but yeah so the baby does her portion of the show and then we get that we get that what is it called split screen or brian de palma's you get the phone booth shots remember the movie phone booth it's that um but uh, Baby has, she's put herself in like black and white face, kind of like Pleasantville. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? At one point in like, the, uh, Toby McGuire and Reese Witherspoon go into the TV show and it's black and white. They came from like color. So as these characters start 
doing things that are not in their character. They they go to color basically. They turn normal. Um, yeah. And the one lady, she turns to color and she's like, "I can't let your father see me like this." So he like paints her. Oh, black yeah. And white. He he paints her. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. yeah. So that's kind of what she's done here. And you did notice like all of the posters she has. It's like old like uh like black and white starlets from like back in the day probably some silent silent film actresses as well but like maybe rita rita hayworth's probably up there but she's doing this lip sync and uh the boys are just like oh my gosh she is so hot uh looking like this she looks kind of menacing in this makeup but the the girlfriends are not about it they are not they they are not impressed (laughs) Yeah, I think it's the eyebrows on the makeup that that make it a little intense. They're, yeah, they're not quite like vi- vampire intense, but they they have a sharpness to them that's a little little funky. Mm-hmm. Especially considering she's smiling the whole time, but the eyebrows because it's painted on doesn't let her appear happy ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she starts doing some crowd work, uh, and yeah, that does not go over well with one of the girls. She's like, "Get the fuck out of here, bitch!" Shouldn't say that, but you, you know where it's going. Uh, and fucking baby pulls a knife out on her, which is pretty great. It's like get the, I will cut you. Say I will cut your fucking lips off or whatever. I don't know. Um, uh, it's tits. Uh, is it tits? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and stuff them down your throat. I thought it was, but there's also a scene from the movie, uh, The Goods, the Don Reddy movie with Jeremy Piven, where she's like, yeah, "Give me another." I remember. Give me another fucking soda, you bitch! I'll cut your tits off. But. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was that movie I was remembering it from. But yeah. I always maintain maintain that the more specific a threat is, the more you should be wary of it. (laughs) If somebody tells you they're going to hit you, you know, you're, you're, you know. Maybe maybe you're okay, but if they tell you exactly what they're going to do in graphic detail, maybe maybe back off. When I was about 19 or 20, I accidentally cut off a guy in traffic in uh, Hawaii and he was a local and he chased us down cut me off and threatened to quote unquote put a bullet in my head um, if I didn't respect the island so uh, I'm like that was pretty specific he didn't say I'll shoot you he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in your skull I'm like okay let's uh let's stop driving the car let's go park and let's walk around <laughs> yeah mahalo mahalo <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so yeah, Mother Firefly is like, you gotta get the fuck out of here. Uh, things are gonna <laughs> pop off. Um, they get out, but then Mother Mother Firefly and uh, Baby have a little giggle, like, "Ooh, so exciting! Shit's about to happen!" And then shit happens. Yeah, they she, they share like a maniacal laugh between the two of them. Yeah. Um, and then we we cut to our kids trying to leave. Um, and by the way, Sherry Moon uh, has a jump scare where she smashes up against the car window as they're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Just for funsies, I guess. Um, oh. But uh, our young heroes are cut off uh, because there's a gate uh, that they can't, they have to get out of the car to open before they can leave. Um, and then there's these scarecrow looking yeah. dudes that have these big old masks on them that are hanging from the fence from the gate. Um, and then they spring to life. And uh, they jump Rain Wilson, uh, who eats a bat to the face and then some. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one, uh, that is Otis, who's beaten him with a bat. Um, but Tiny is also there. And he just kind of like casually apprehends uh, the one girl. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, Denise, I think, is still in the back screaming. But long story short, uh, our dudes get the shit kicked out of them and our girls get uh, abducted. Yeah. Uh, 
And then I think uh, we cut to the morning, just like hard cut from Otis doing the Willem Dafoe and Platoon mm -hmm. uh, in the rain. Um, we hard cut to RJ, uh, the bear man, uh, just like in the morning, just yeah, going getting to work. in his tow truck. Yeah. Yep, just going to work. Yeah. He, he's, he's that representative of the family who just holds a day job, basically. <laughs> so he's a tow truck driver in the daytime. And he takes the car away in the morning. Um, but yeah, I think we get another moment with dad. Yeah, dad calling the cops. Yeah, he calls the cops. Say, hey, my daughter was supposed to come up last night. She was around this area. He's like, oh, I know that area. I'll send a, I'll send a couple troopers or a couple deputies out there to see what's, what's going on. Um, and I think Denise or not Denise, the other uh, home girl. I just I'll call the other one home girl. Um, she's tied up with Otis. Um, she's hanging out with him. And she's making noises, and he's like, shut up in there, obviously. Um, and this is... I don't like the way Mosley delivers this, this line. I don't like his acting here. It's just really strange. But I do like the idea that he is um, kind of... He's a homicidal artist, basically. Like, he's having artist block, like writer's block kind of thing. And he's just like, you know, I... I was just trying to have inspiration, and you know what? Your boyfriend, he really helped me out. He really helped me out with my uh, my block here. Um, and he's like, yeah. Fish boy, look at fish boy. <laughs> and I don't think it's a. Um, I would say I don't think it's a Rain Wilson dummy. I think they literally just have him posed. I think it's just him with makeup on. Oh, I'm I'm 100 certain that's the case. Um, I really did like, it's a very small thing, but I did like uh, the choice of technique they used when she's waking up. Uh, so this is the other girl, uh, Mary, I think. She's tied to this chair and she's wearing a dunce cap, yeah, by the way. I did like that. Um, yeah. But as she's, as she's coming around, uh, the way they have her come back to consciousness is like her, we get like POV shots of her vision returning to her, like from blur uh, to clear. Um, and she recollects uh the like the end of the evening when everybody mm -hmm. was being beaten and stuff in still images and I, I i have seldom seen that done uh in film um but like there's i think there's sound playing over the still images but it's just these snapshots of everything we just saw and i thought that was really neat like like that that is sometimes how my memory works is i just remember things like as just images or something um but yeah fish boy um we also get um, what appears to be either like uh, VHS or eight millimeter footage. Uh, I wanted to say it was like VHS footage almost of uh, Otis and uh, Baby. Yeah. Uh, torturing uh, Billy Rain Wilson, and uh, they're like taking a straight razor to his face while music. Um, we don't. S well, yeah. Well, she's a brick house uh, plays, um, and Baby does a little dance in the background, but. Um, his Rain Wilson's hand gets chopped off with a hatchet. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't actually see very much um, in the in the grand tradition of Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We don't actually see a whole lot of explicit like bloodletting, like like the actual acts of violence happen in the film. Uh, we do get to see a lot of aftermath of really gruesome things. Um, but that was a surprise to me watching this movie for the first time, as it was always described to me as just like a horrible gore fest or something. But when you actually get around to watching it, it's like, oh wait, you know, Rob Zombie has probably seen a lot of a lot of other horror movies and whatnot, and actually has an idea of what you can and cannot do to, you know, emphasize the horror and whatnot. Also, 
we did talk about like Marilyn Manson, who is not a good person, nope. and Alice Cooper, who better I think person. is an okay guy. I think he's yeah, much better person. Much better person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, part of having that public profile um, and having that stigma associated with you is that when it comes to censorship, especially for you know a mainstream film production, uh, I want to say that uh, they they were really ruthless uh, with this film. Like, like Rob Zombie had to fight uh, to to get things done a certain way um, just because his name was on the thing basically mm-hmm. which is unfair but you know that that's that's how it, that's how it goes sometimes but um, yeah fish boy like it's a it's an interesting yeah. concept I guess it, it does remind me of roadside attractions like like I mean we have what Jake the alligator boy up here in Seattle oh <laughs> I don't know I did not know about that <laughs> <laughs> I think that's at Archie McPhee or whatever. Oh, uh, okay. I've I've only been to Archie yeah. McPhee the one time. Um, it's been a while. Fun place. My yeah. dad used to take me when I was a little kid. Yeah, check out Archie McPhee, folks. Scarecrow video, Archie McPhee. Those are two things you should do in Seattle. Um, yeah. So yeah, the cops end up going to uh, Captain Spaulding's museum, and this is I don't remember the cops. Name. I didn't what write his name down, but Walton Goggins is the uh, the other deputy, and basically they're just like. Uh, uh, Spalding's a little bit like, like going back and forth with him, and the cops like, "Hey, give me the like, give me the map that you drew them," and uh, then they're off on their way. Um, but then Denise wakes up down in the basement, and I'm not sure who did this to her, but she's got like a a child, like a it looks like a doll's dress basically, and they've put makeup on her, um, and she's down in Tiny's room, and. Uh, <laughs> He's a very nice. Tiny's actually very nice. He's not a mean guy, but uh, his, this is his best scene. <laughs> it, it's really good. Yeah, no, he, he was actually really good. Uh, but he yeah. just kind of comes in and he's got a, a bowl of cereal. Him eating the cereal is just unsettling. It's really gross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, she's just like, "Hey, can you let me go?" And he's just like, "Oh yeah, sure, totally." She just lets lets her go. Uh, but then fucking Otis yeah, comes He doesn't in. even put down his, his bowl. Like He just like one arm like frees her and then goes back to eating. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think Otis grabs her and throws her in a cage, but there's other people in the cage? Yeah, that was weird. It, yeah. it was almost like uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula when the yeah. brides like yeah. jump jump Keanu or whatever. Because like, it's the other cheerleaders, but they make like... On the soundtrack, they put like a hiss noise and they like jump on top of her. Nothing happens. It's just a weird thing that happens. But yeah, Otis intercepts her on the steps. It did like that. Tiny remains seated the whole time and he actually waves goodbye to her as she's leaving. But Otis intervenes and and throws her in a cage. Um, But the the real cherry on top is after he puts her in the cage, he looks at Tiny and he looks frustrated and Tiny just shrugs. (laughs) He's like, He's like, what, man? Like, sure. What do you want from me? Like, do you want some? I'll give you some. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be that would be an alternative take. Is, is it, do you, like, I don't understand. Do you want some cereal? Do, do you want, want some Agatha Krispies? Oh, no, do you want my <laughs> se- uh, seven foot six uh, stature to just wail on your ass? Because he's fucking huge. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, but yeah, so the cops find the car. They pop the trunk. And uh, does it say trick or treat is carved into this dead girl's body? Is that what it says? Yeah. 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 Um, but they're like, oh, we're on the trail to something. 
Um, and I think it's identified it was probably one of the cheerleaders or at least a local girl that was in the back. I thought it was home girl, but it's not. It's a different different girl. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then we get baby with Chris Hardwick. Uh, this this scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby with Chris Hardwick. Um, we get this little interrogation sequence where she's she asks him like, "Who's my favorite actress?" Oh yeah. And it's like how how would I know that? <laughs> and he makes a guess. He says Marilyn Monroe, and she's like, "No, baby." bay davis or whatever and uh he uh we discover why he has this uh mop of hair throughout the movie it's because uh she has to cut his scalp and uh feed it to him yes um which we see the initial cut but then we cut away um so there's an instance of like you let your imagine do the heavy lifting there yes you're um but yeah immediately after that though um grandpa and otis are watching the monsters yeah. on tv um, while I believe they're taking turns throwing knives at uh, Chris Hardwick, who's being held in a back room somewhere. And by the way, uh, Denise's father, uh, <laughs> Private Ryan, senior version, uh, joins the cops in their search for his daughter. Um, and we, we have this aside where we did actually see this character a couple of times at this point. Initially, when we're first introduced to the kids in the car, uh, a truck is driving past them with like a i think jesus is dead sign or something yeah on the side of it and i believe this is supposed to be the same person but it's, it's a it's a black fella his name is lewis dover and i i wrote his name down as the shotgun preacher yeah <laughs> because he's brandishing a shotgun while preaching and declaring this is hell and this is just one of those cut scenes that's just like this is from a totally different universe or a different movie altogether but we just take a few seconds to watch this man yell into the camera and brandish a shotgun yeah um no expense was spared uh in the construction of his little shed by the way with all the signs yeah. everywhere um rob zombie does know how to get his production designers to give him good things like like if you look at any of his music videos the, ma the man knows his way around costuming makeup and sets and lighting and stuff uh, it's just a matter of what you do with those things. Um, but yeah, th there are a lot of instances of, in this movie where it looks quite nice. Like, especially the set design and whatnot. It looks A lot of the rooms uh, in the titular House of a Thousand Corpses look pretty, pretty awesome, honestly. The Munsters movie is something that you would see, that you could just have playing on a TV in a bar around Halloween, just like in the background. Or you could just have it on like a big screen, just have that aesthetic because that's basically what it is uh, it, it just looks great just sound sound off sound off like just yeah sound yeah. off um but yeah so cops uh, the cops show up to the house with dad and uh firefly mother firefly is like oh just the cops are here he's like well god damn it i gotta go take care of this shit um and yeah this scene this is uh do you want to walk through this because this i do not care for this scene at all I, I have mixed feelings about this scene because parts of it feel like somebody had a really clear idea of what they wanted to do and they executed it to to that vision. But then parts of it, I'm just like, that could have been better. Yeah. Um, so we have this, this suspenseful few minutes where the cops and Denise's dad uh, are snooping around the house and whatnot. And we're cutting back and forth between Walton Goggins and Denise's dad uh, snooping around the exterior of the house while the sheriff, who, by the way, is played by William Bassett, mm. uh, who's a 
a bald character actor with a bushy mustache usually that uh, I know him best from a, a little Christopher Lambert movie called Fortress um, that I wouldn't mind actually talking about on the show someday because I've seen that movie way too many times on cable um, and I do enjoy it. It's fun. Also, you get a uh, Kurtwood Smith as a bad guy in there. Always a good time. Um, anyway, the sheriff is talking to Mama Firefly while his associates are snooping around the house and uh, the tension is building as we're cutting back and forth because Mama Firefly is being standoffish with the sheriff and whatnot. Um, and Walton Goggins and Papa, uh, they open a shed uh, in the back of the house and they discover all the cheerleaders. And I want to say Mary's in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a, it's a, it's a butcher shop. Uh, mostly girls are dead. The ones who are not are not looking great and there's <laughs> blood everywhere. Um, but the way they execute this, like this folk song starts playing and everything goes into slow motion and we do that trick we did earlier with the, the stick up at the beginning of the movie where we're, sh- we're showing things happening multiple times where like we just repeat the same footage over itself a couple of times and we zoom in on the exterior or the interior rather of, of the shed and uh, we cut to mama shooting the lieutenant or the lieutenant or the sheriff in the neck so he's dead and then we cut back and uh papa takes off running and he gets shot in the back by otis Mm -hmm. um mind you everything i'm saying here is covered by that folk song that's playing so there's basically no sound it's just the song and then everything's playing out in slow motion one thing that i did like a lot was uh, very similar to the still images uh, of of uh, mary's memory of the night before when she wakes up with the dunce cap um when papa gets shot we just snap uh, to like him recalling Christmas morning mm-hmm. with his family as he's dying. And I was like, wow, that's actually really cool. Yeah. Um, and then he falls d- face down in the mud, which, you know, <laughs> that's a little disrespectful, but Rob Zombie's that kind of filmmaker. It's like, like characters and life is not sacred. Like bad things happen to good people in Rob Zombie films all the time. Yeah. Um, but I, Everything goes silent when Walton Goggins uh, drops his gun and is held at the mercy of Otis, who puts a pistol to his forehead. And this was the shot that Kyle had teased earlier. So I'll let you explain uh, what this is. So basically, Otis has got uh, Walton Goggins on his knees, and and they hold this shot. It's like a slow-motion hold of this shot. for It's like a good 30 to 45 seconds somewhere where it's just like, okay get with it and if you're watching it streaming you think that you're it's like pause like like you're like you're buffering or something but you're like no it's not buffering <laughs> it's it's just taking forever to go it's just it's really annoying in this scene because yeah i, I didn't like the way this was executed one thing that i did want to point out was that when walton goggins and the dad go to the backyard the dog comes like just jumps out of nowhere scares the shit out of walton goggins is like it's okay he's like he just like calms down it's okay he's like i was bit by a cocker spaniel when i was a kid <laughs> just like a, just a passing line like that's pretty funny I, I like that i like that he actually carries it for a bit because we cut away and then he's still talking about it when we come yeah. back <laughs> it's like, it was really traumatic man it was really traumatic <laughs> walton goggins is great but yeah the, this he is and this was early in his career too mm-hmm. like, like he he was popping up in small character roles but he was not you know yeah. he wasn't in any quentin tarantino films by this point oh fuck um, i forgot about that yeah he's great in that 
No, he his career, like, I don't know if it's still great, but I think he was on that show Justified, um, which was very successful, and then he's gone on to work with some tremendous directors. Like, he, he's a very capable actor. It just took a, a few years before people realized that. Uh, it's like, oh, he's not just a character actor. He's he's just straight up awesome. Uh, he was in, Ju- yeah, I know he's in Justified. I know that he was a big deal on that. I feel like he was on like Oz or The Wire before this. Um, I thought maybe he was one of those. I could be wrong. Uh, he's one of the bad guys in uh, Shanghai Noon. Uh, remember, yes, he is. Guy from he's one ten- of the key bad guys in that. Yeah, <laughs> um, but he also has a uh, he has a role on um, the Righteous Gemstones, which is. Uh, Excellent show. If you've got HBO Max, I highly recommend it. Uh, is it David Gordon Green? Is that him? Yeah. yeah, I think it's him and Danny McBride mostly that uh, write and direct that thing. Oh, speaking of which, uh, oh, if we yeah. have time this month, uh, we, we will, if we have time, uh, be reviewing Halloween Ends. Yeah. Uh, because uh, surprisingly enough, um, Kyle and I have reviewed uh, the other David Gordon Green Halloween films. Um, so we may as well just finish the trilogy. Why the fuck not? I think we have to. I um, have to watch it, obviously. I, I I would love to watch it. Like it doesn't matter if it's good. It's just like I'm I'm in. Yeah, sure. I gotta finish not? it. It's I, I had to go see yeah. fucking Infinity War or Endgame, whichever one it was. I'm like I have to know how this thread of the MCU ends. Like I I've gotta finish it. I don't want to. Yeah, you, you gotta know. Um, but yeah, Walton Goggins, like, despite looking like a fake human being, um, <laughs> like, like an alien's approximation of a hum- of a very, very tan human being, um, with perfect fucking teeth, um, he's a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, this shot, when he gets taken out, it's this crane shot that just mm-hmm. goes up and up and up and up and up and up and, uh, another reference, uh, for... For your brother Nick, if he gets it, um, reminded me very much of the closing moment, uh, the closing gameplay moment of a Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater, mm. um, which I wouldn't be surprised if some inspiration was drawn there. Although, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like something ripped directly from an incredibly famous western that I, as a person who hasn't watched many westerns, isn't aware of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Walton Goggins is executed. Um, so all of the people who could have rescued our heroes are yeah. now off the table. Uh, and then we get probably the most useless scene in the movie, uh, the liquor store scene. Uh, Baby and I think one of the brothers, it's not Otis, he's not leaving the... Fu- it's not Otis. It's RJ. RJ, yeah. Uh, they go to the liquor store to buy a bunch of booze, and this interaction that she has with this guy, Goober... Uh, it's really stupid. Goober. Goober. Uh, all we take from this is they bought like $180 worth of liquor. That's it. That's the whole thing. The, yeah, for an 89-minute film filled with filler in the form of these transition sequences and whatnot, this is two minutes that serves no purpose. Yeah. No purpose whatsoever, although maybe there's something to the idea of uh, our, our hellbillies being cordial to their peers i guess yeah because like they're nothing but kind of goober like they tease him but like they're they're fine with goober because he's part of the community or whatever yeah we end up kind of uh yeah so spalding isn't going to send them to the dr satan tree they're literally just passing through he's not doing anything bad to them uh he's just you know just being a small business owner 
uh, and here, yeah, they're just cordial with the locals, but like we can. Well, I don't know, Kyle. Like the the drawing of a map and whatnot feels almost like a referral. <laughs> it's not like a small business owner referral <laughs> because they pry. That's what I'm saying. It's like they were fine yeah. up until then, until they started to pry. It's like okay, fine. You want to do it? I'll, I'll I'll do that for you. Um, but no, but they completely. It completely changes in the second in the, the Devil's Rejects. It's totally different. But uh, yeah, so it's liquor yeah. store, whatever. Um, and then we get to, I guess, the third act. I guess this is uh, uh, the beginning of the third act. Um, it's sure. where the movie. So I, I didn't say this at the top. I like this movie. I understand why people wouldn't like it. There's plenty of things to not like, but. This is just kind of one of those, like, I just enjoy watching this one. It's fun for me. Uh, but this is where the the movie kind of changes tone a little bit. Um, it So we get, I don't know how this kind of, uh, how this starts, but basically we've got um, all these people that are still alive uh, are all in rabbit costumes. Um, and Otis is... There's like some kind of ritual going on. Something is about to happen, and Otis is some dialogue about uh, what the fuck ever he's talking about. I don't know. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? <laughs> That's what it is. Well, he's yeah. got. Um, he has uh, Denise's dad's uh, skin on his face. Uh, he's wearing her. His skin as a mask. Um, which we haven't. I don't know if we'd. I don't know if we'd really. I'd, I'd never seen this before. Like so, this kind of struck me as a as a kid. We'd see. I'd seen. Uh, I hadn't seen the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre at this point, so I'd never seen someone wearing a human like somebody else's face. And I'm like, holy shit! Like I remember watching this. And I'm like, that is fucking dark, and it really is very dark. But going back and rewatching it, I'm like, it's kind of comical in this one. It's it's weird because it's it's a strange compliment to pay, but Rob Zombie does have a knack for expressing human cruelty mm-hmm. on film. Mm-hmm. Like The Devil's Rejects, I I do maintain that is a highly unpleasant film uh, in a lot of ways, just because of how mean spirited it is. Just oh. like just shitty shitty people doing shitty things to people without any sort of comeuppance for like two hours or whatever. It's it's just a rotten experience, but that's the goal and it's achieved very well Mm -hmm. Um, and same goes for this sequence here because otis we do actually see um the father with his skin removed and he's bathed in red light so the gore is well rendered like the makeup effect is really well rendered Um, but i think having it bathed in red light maybe gets you a pass with the sensors a little bit um but yeah otis comes down the stairs wearing dad's face and torso and by the way very important detail the dad has a chest tattoo that we Mm. did see earlier and it's like, it's a signal that's like, oh, in case you couldn't make out the face, that's that's who that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Denise is kind of disoriented as she's strung up, and uh, he comes up to her and speaks to her kind of as her father, and then gives her a kiss again as her father. And it's like only around that time that she comes to realize, oh, wait, that's someone wearing my dad's fucking face, <laughs> uh, making out with me, by the way that's a little fucked <laughs> yeah um and and also they do he reiterates that same trick of uh when when her father was shot of her of him remembering christmas morning uh they showed denise uh remembering 
remembering her dad like i think it's just like an image of her dad seated in like a padded chair or something just like a a cozy chair at home or something and it's really striking uh the way they slipped that into the edit there um and i think we get an aside where there's industrial music or something but uh this is where things pick up and we leave the house Mm -hmm. um all the all of the surviving victims are walked out of the house and we get this industrial music pounding as they're walking through a field um and uh mary uh breaks off from the group uh as they get to some sort of large wooden mechanism uh, for lowering coffins down into a hole she takes off running and uh, we get otis yelling run rabbit run <laughs> yeah I know. it's pretty stupid. um but uh mary is mary has a moment here she goes off to a graveyard and kyle what did you think of this sequence here <laughs> where mary dies it's pretty yeah. pretty bad uh she's it's pretty bad and it's weird <laughs> we have a uh, baby ends up getting the drop on her and she just you know pins her down and just stabs her in the heart several times before this actress actually dies but i'm sorry this character dies but she does a terrible job of selling it uh i think it, it's really bad <laughs> And, and of course, uh, Baby has like a really stupid uh, quote at the end of it and laughs maniacally. I'm not really sure what it was. It was just like, okay. So, yeah, just some of this I'm just like. I, she, she has like a nursery rhyme or something, but yeah. Baby apparently is Batman because she mm. is like teleporting around the graveyard and like scaring Mary before she jumps her. Mm. Um, I did like Mary's scream, um, but yeah, in terms of like selling like the violence of being stabbed is it's fine it's, <laughs> it's not good um but yeah you, but she's taken out real quick <laughs> yeah so this is where the i the tone like i said the tone of the movie changes but also the reality of the movie changes where it's like it, it completely shifts to something different and i think that's what kind of what i kind of thought was odd and i liked about the movie at the time is because you see where the movie's going it's very clear where the movie's going but then it just it just kind of changes course into something else. Kind of like the end of 10 Cloverfield Lane. It was like, whoa, what? That's the end? <laughs> that was strange. Not as much of a pivot, but it kind of pivots in this. Well, there is a little bit of a story that I don't know all the details, but I I, I do remember reading this, that um, apparently Rob's, like this movie was very low budget. And apparently Rob Zombie completed the production at like according to budget and whatnot. He, I think he did get an injection of some additional funding uh, towards the end. But the story goes, uh, he knew he didn't have enough money to make the movie he wanted to make. So he intentionally made a very poor ending. Uh, so the studio would be forced to give him more money to make it a salvageable production. Mm-hmm. Um, very clever, uh, if that is true. Kind of sleazy, but also very clever. Um, but I want to say that basically they took all of that additional funding and just dumped it into the final act or the final setting of the film. Oh, uh, okay. Um, because it's very clear that like a lot of money was put into those those couple of scenes in the in the finale of this movie. Um, but it does have like a dreamlike quality to it mm-hmm. where it's like it, I, I remember my initial viewing and not so much this time around, but my initial viewing in the movie, I was like, is this some dream shit? Like, is she just stuck in a coffin, like, like suffocating or something? And she's just imagining all this. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's the case uh, because as far as I know, 
this movie does have sequ- quote sequels um and i haven't seen the last one that was it oh, three, three from, from hell? hell yeah no i haven't watched it i haven't seen that but as far as i know they'd never call back to dr satan am i right on that yeah i don't think dr satan comes back yeah this thread just completely drops off once we get to devil's rejects so it you know it could be a dream sequence i don't know um but the point is like uh, the movie amps up uh significantly when yeah. we get into this final act here yeah so uh they send um they just kind of dump all these people down there but they send denise down in a coffin uh and basically she gets down there and then all these creatures jump out of the water and basically like tear the box apart. And I guess they'd been eating these people. So there's just these people that live in the water down there. Like, okay, this is strange. Um, and she managed, (laughs) she manages to escape from them and she's kind of walking around this. It looks like an abandoned mine basically. Um, and this is kind of, it's creepy the way this, this thing pops up, but there's another bunny rabbit down there. She thought maybe it was one of the people that she was down there with, like maybe Chris Hardwick. But it's just this old man in the bunny costume, and he just kind of slowly comes up to her. She doesn't really know what to do with it, but um, then a dude from behind comes, and they attack her, or whatever it is. Um, I don't know what really becomes of that, if she gets away, or if they take her someplace. They they take her bunny costume and just kind of, like, trail off. Yeah. Like they, just, they just leave her alone after that. So it's this intense moment that's actually framed pretty well, because the, the first old man has these very sad eyes. Mm-hmm. And he, he looks like a victim. Um, but then the second old man appears behind her and jumps her. And the two of them wrestle with her for a bit. And then they take her bunny costume off and just slink away into the darkness. It's, it's a bizarre sequence. But by the way, folks at home, very important to emphasize everything Kyle just said about the lead up to her getting down here and the mud people and whatnot. In the movie, that's like five minutes. It takes a while. Uh, in Kyle's summation, it's a couple of seconds, which I think is better because <laughs> one thing that I really hated about the sequence is for whatever the fuck reason, we're cutting away from this really intense, really interesting looking venue underground to some sort of funeral pyre Yeah, where the girl who was lamely stabbed, they dump her on a heap of wood and set fire to her. Otis has a makeup change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this big ritual. It's this big hullabaloo that it's like, what? Yeah. Like, that It doesn't contribute anything. And also, when we're lowering the coffin and whatnot, we have this utterly obnoxious uh, cassette tape player that mm-hmm. they actually yes. it's a it's diegetic it's in the movie <laughs> like like they have a cassette player they sound beautiful it's that for five minutes is it an evil dead nod M- maybe i don't know but this cassette they lower the coffin with chris hardwick and denise in it and then they lower a cassette player playing some sort of incantation or something. It just sounds like an old man in slow motion saying, yeah. <laughs> It just plays over the entire sequence. It's so obnoxious. Yeah, I guess it's supposed to build tension. I don't know. Um... Yeah, and then also we cut back to RJ boozing it up and driving recklessly in the sheriff's car. It's like, do I don't care what they're doing up there just like we're downstairs stay downstairs stay downstairs uh (laughs) she manages to get away from those dudes and then she gets down like a long corridor that looks like carcosa from true detective (laughs) when rust is at the uh oh spoiler alert rust finds the 
uh, Carcosa. Um, yeah, but there's this long haul of like just skeletons on either side. Uh, I don't know if one of them grabs her or if there's like a, there's like a jump thing. I don't remember, but um, yeah, it, it's it, they also do. I forget what it's called. It, it's a cine, it's a technique in cinematography where um, some people call it the Jaws shot, where it's that iconic moment where Chief Brody is on the beach and he sees the Kittner boy get eaten, and like he stays. Oh, it's the Alfred. He stays framed the same. Yeah. Yeah, the Alfred Hitchcock yeah, show. Yeah, I forget yeah. exactly what it's called. I wish I could recall at the time. But when we get to the skeleton hallway, they do that to emphasize the otherworldliness and the sheer length of it. It's a really cool set. Yeah, It actually reminded me of uh, Hellraiser 2 uh, when they go to the Hell Dimension. Um, really cool set. Actually, every set underground looks fantastic. <laughs> like Absolutely fantastic. Especially like the lobby area. Uh, the lobby that we're about to get into yeah. <laughs> the lobby uh yes the freak i call it the freak show basement um i call it the bone palace the bone palace yeah uh she just kind of wanders into this like room and uh there's just some guys down there who aren't very lucid they're just like uh kind of in a weird like not vegetative state but just like kind of out of it and I think one's eating like a bowl of cereal, watching TV. They're all just kind of sitting there staring at her. Yeah, they're really skillful use of television monitors with like static on them and stuff. Like the the color that it adds to this very red environment is, again, Rob Zombie knows how to put interesting images on the screen. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool contrast. Uh, and I think she like stumbles back into a room or just goes into a room. And I think it's Chris Hardwick on the slab. Is it him? uh yeah uh there's some other spooky dude covered in bandages who's like sole job is to pull a rope to open a door for her (laughs) Um, he like scares her for a second um and yes uh, we get the grand reveal in this this red like operating room uh of dr satan dr satan Uh, dr satan is in the movie yeah (laughs) uh and yeah he is just uh he's just working on chris hardwick and uh i like it's such a weird i, I remember watching this the first time and I'm like whoa this is really i was not expecting this to happen it's this he looks almost like the crypt keeper like he's just old and decrepit and he looks like he's being suspended like his body's being held up because he's so old and he's like doing work but he's saying something under his breath i can't understand what he's saying i I tried to see if somebody translated, if somebody could hear, because I thought maybe he was like speaking Russian or German or something, but it's in- unintelligible. Like it, you can't tell what he's saying. But go ahead. I had the subtitles on, and uh, it says foreign language. Okay. Um, so it's not English, uh, but I have no idea what language it is. It sounds like it could be Spanish, Latin, German, some, something, something foreign to an American English-speaking ear. Yeah. <laughs> but he has he has this uh, really awesome device suspended on his shoulders it's like an extra pair of arms Mm -hmm. that's lashed to his actual arms that serve as his like surgical implements Mm -hmm. and like kyle said it's like suspended from the ceiling so he's almost like a marionette or something and he has this like uh respirator gas mask on and the makeup effects are stellar he looks great yes i was about to say the same thing i'm like he looks really good like it's it's a it's very very effective um but yeah, so he kind of calls on some dude who looks like he would be uh, like a boss in a video game, basically, uh, this guy. I mean, that, that Evil Within game, Kyle, 
a lot of the imagery in this movie would be right at home in that game. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is, I guess, his key enforcer. He's also, uh, I don't know how to describe this guy. He's really gross. Um, but uh, I guess this is, is one of his projects, one of his guys, and he says muscle, and he ends up chasing Denise. Um, I mean, nothing. Chasing? He chasing? goes after her. It, long story short, she ends up, getting him by destroying some of the mine on top of him like he gets crushed it's nothing really yeah that big a deal see, see this was something that kyle and i talked about like right before the mics heated up was that that question that we're probably going to be asking ourselves every ep- episode this month is like is rob zombie a good director right? <laughs> yeah because he, he does very clearly have some excellent strengths a lot a lot of them have to do with imagery um, a lot of them have to do with production design and makeup and lighting and whatnot. But when it comes to like action and movement and choreography of things, I I can't recall like skillfully constructed sequences. Mm. I can recall images for sure, mm-hmm. but not not like not like set pieces, not like multiple minutes of of moments strung together to form a coherent singular thought. Because we get this reveal of, I guess he's credited as the professor, uh, who, as Kyle said, is kind of Doctor Satan's like enforcer. He's mm. like got like a skinned head and these big goggles and big honking dude with a big old fire axe that uh, quote chases her. He doesn't chase her. He uh, he descends a staircase in janky slow motion. She runs the fuck away, and then eventually he shows up at the end of the hallway again. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no tension. She just escapes without any problems. Like, it would have been nice if maybe those those people in the lobby or something, like, started screaming at her and made some sort of noise or reached out at her or something. Or, hey, maybe one of those skeletons does grab her or fall on her or something. No, she just comes back the way she came, completely unimpeded. Um, it, it's weird. It's a weird tensionless scene that has so many cool images in it mm-hmm. that your memory of it is probably a lot stronger than the actual presentation of it in the film and that's unfortunate because we clearly had some really amazing props and locales to film and uh, i just don't know if they were used to the to the full extent i guess mm-hmm. um but yeah uh, like kyle said uh, we get this quote chase and i think it's called a split diopter shot because remember this is a, f- a first time filmmaker um, you can tell we're doing a little bit of a kitchen sink type uh, commitment to the way we're doing this, where mm-hmm. it's like, hey, this is my first time making a movie. Let's just throw everything we got at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have, a th- like I said, I think it's a split diopter where it's a half of Denise's face in focus while in the same shot in the background, the professor is all the way at the end of the hallway in perfect focus. Um, cool idea. Uh, it works out quite well. Um, but the professor takes a swing at her and she like tells him to go away. She like tries to shoo him with a, like a a piece of wood or something. And he takes a swing at her and, uh, he super shredders himself. Mm. Uh, he, he knocks down a, a, a key support pillar in the, in the mine or in the, or in the underground tunnel and a bunch of debris falls on top of him and he's out of the picture as quickly as he showed up. Oops. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, and that he's done, and she kind of comes to, uh, wakes up, and then it's daytime, 
and we get her just shooting her hand out of the ground uh come comes up out of the ground and makes her way to the road and uh guess who's driving along the road just at that exact moment that she gets out there it's captain spaulding uh it's a <laughs> it's captain spaulding in a pink cadillac yeah uh, <laughs> uh yeah he picks her up not a word said. He just stops the car and she hops in. He's like, whoa, whoa, lady. I was. <laughs> I just wanted to say, where are you going? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, he just starts driving away. And I, I don't know what they, I don't know what the exchange is because I know what's going to happen. Um, fucking yeah. Otis pops out of the back and I'm like, yes. Uh, bad horror movie ending. Or not bad, but like the, the last person doesn't get away horror movie ending. Um, but then we, yeah. and then we get to see her, I guess, on the slab with uh, Doctor Satan. So she ends up getting got anyway. Yeah, uh, she's with Doctor Satan and the professor. It's a very tight close up of her screaming. Um, by the way, uh, uh, Chris Hardwick, his uh, scalp was peeled back, and Doctor Satan was putting drills in his his brain or yeah. something earlier. Um, but yeah, uh, we cut to the end. Question mark. Yeah. And then, uh, and then our uh, end credits are highlighted with porn music. Yeah. Because why not? Why not? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the ending here, um, I don't know, it felt kind of... I mean, it, it's nice that it has an unhappy ending because it is that kind of movie that's expected. I would have been upset if she just got away. Yeah, of course. But it's kind of funny that the director himself went on record saying, like, I intentionally made a bad ending so I could go back and make a good ending. It's like... I still don't think you did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I still, I still think it's not great, man. Like it looks fantastic, but not a whole lot happens. Um, and the reveal of Otis sitting up in the back seat—it's not particularly shocking. And it has what appears to be like a really chintzy digital zoom put on it. Again, it's—I know—I noted this earlier, but I want to say it's like achieved in post rather than shot on the set that way, and it looks that way to me. Um, but what's what was surprising to me is they had a good setup because Captain Spaulding is driving and he said she asks like I need to go to a, I need to see a doctor or I need to go to the hospital and she's completely dead behind the eyes because she's traumatized and Captain Spaulding's like yeah yeah I'll take you to see the doctor mm-hmm. it's like it would have been cool if like we sit in that moment for a minute and we realize he's driving her right back where she came from and he's just gonna pitch her back down the hole to doctor the doctor dr satan but no we have otis sit up and then like a a musical sting i think it's it's not a sting it's more rob zombie grabbing a guitar and going or something like that um yeah i I appreciate the unhappy ending but didn't quite do it for me personally yeah what are you gonna do but yeah i guess that's what we'll be exploring over the next few movies to see if he gets any better uh, does, does he get any stronger as a filmmaker? I think next week is going to be a better. I think it's going to be a better film to cover. Yeah, what are we covering next week? Next week is going to be Halloween. I'm going to go in a chronological order because uh, I think Halloween is very relevant right now, uh, uh, as far as like the month that we're in, but also because we have the David Gordon Green third installment of the Halloween, the the newer Halloween franchise coming up. Uh, so it's just nice to look at that uh, IP, you know. And then I think we'll do Lords of Salem because that's what I hear that that's his best movie. But I remember watching it and being very unimpressed. Uh, I did not care for that movie at all. But I'd like to get your thoughts on it. And I don't know how we're going to end the month just yet. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how we have to end it. 
Yeah, we we did put up a Twitter poll that some people responded to. <laughs> I want to thank the five of you and, for uh, doing that. That was awesome. It was thirteen, Kyle. It was thirteen. Um, the two uh, titles that got the most votes. Uh, we did have a tie. Um, it was uh, Halloween two and thirty one. Oh God, um, I just don't know. That is that is. Yeah, thirty one is a big ask. Yeah, because uh, Kyle, part of our friendship. Uh, was formed on uh, Kyle spelling like spelling out the horrors of Thirty One to me because I have the I have masochistic viewing tendencies and like Kyle had I have never heard Kyle shit on a movie harder than Thirty One um, and can confirm I did try to watch it and it's one of the very few instances where I gave up mm-hmm. like uh, thirty forty minutes in I was like no yeah. I I have I have so little time left to live and this is not how i want to spend it it's not how you want to spend it yeah it's pretty bad i don't know if i can pay money to watch that again i I think i'd rather do halloween too but if if we're going to do halloween too uh i think i might watch the original halloween too just to kind of see if there are similarities also be careful because if we do do halloween too i i believe there are multiple cuts of it yeah and I, i'll have to do my research but i think there's a quote good cut okay i'm not sure which one it is though um but i'll have to look into that but next week i guess is um halloween from 2007 correct um which is which is a rob zombie movie i have seen before but probably not since 2007 so that'll be That'll be an interesting watch, and it'll definitely prep us uh, to check out that David Gordon Green Halloween ends uh, sometime later this month. Uh, so that'll be fun. But this is a fun one, Kyle. Okay. Um, Good. Like like you said, you you enjoy this movie. I personally like. I don't know if it's as washable for me because I I found myself checking out a lot, where I just found myself keying in a little bit too much on like the things that weren't happening. Mm-hmm. I guess. Like it, it, instead of just watching the fucking movie, I was thinking about the movie I w- would have rather been watching, I guess, uh, which is which is a me problem. Um, but I can't take anything away from the visual aspect of things. Like the man does have a sense sense for strong visual, uh, not not so much dialogue writing, <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll take a look at that as as the month goes on. But in the meantime, folks at home. Uh, this has been the first installment of Kyle's Killer October for the year 2020-2022. But in the meantime, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. You can also find us on the social medias on the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including BitCade. So fucking Google it. Google it. And that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Mm-hmm.